Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you take them out and go to the book of Luke? Luke chapter 6, please, as we are in our series called The Man, the Myth, the Messiah, where we are looking at uh, this gospel of Luke. And as you are uh, turning there, I do want to say, um, uh, we want to say a big thank you to Ethan Floyd, our student pastor, uh, for organizing, setting up, and dreaming, and visioning Disciple Now. Can we give him a hand clap of praise? Next Sunday is his last Sunday with us, and we are going to miss him. And so as soon as next Sunday's uh, worship service is over, we're going to have a a time of farewell uh, for him there in uh, Beach Hall right across the street. You can come by, uh, shake his hand, arm wrestle with him if you want to. Um, I wouldn't do that, but... um, Uh, Bless him and Cynthia, if you will, and just uh, thank him for his time that he has been here with us. And so, Ethan, we greatly appreciate you, man, and thank you for what you do for our student ministry. Well, Luke chapter 6. In this series on uh, this uh, gospel of Luke, um, uh, the goal has really simply been that we sit at the feet of Jesus, that we sit at his feet and we learn from him. All throughout the gospels, we see Uh, And we are engaged with people who sit at the feet of Jesus. In Matthew's gospel account, we see the wise men who sit at uh, the newborn baby Jesus. We see in the gospel of Mark, um, we see Jairus, whose daughter was sick. Jesus healed her, and Jairus falls at his feet. We see the woman who has uh, uh, had an issue with blood and touches the hem of Jesus' garment. She sits at Jesus' feet. We also see in the gospel of Mark, we see a woman whose daughter, was controlled by a demon. Jesus heals her, and she sits at Jesus' feet. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, we see Peter fall at Jesus' feet. We see a leper who's been healed sit at Jesus' feet. We see a demon-possessed man who Jesus uh, casts out the demon, and he sits in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. We read in the Gospel of Luke the Samaritan woman who sits at Jesus' feet, and then we read of the story of, of Mary and Martha. And um, Martha is busy with getting things ready, but Mary sits at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says to Mary, he says this, you have done well to sit at my feet. So apparently in the gospel accounts, sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from him is extremely important. David, the psalmist, would write in Psalm 27, verse 4, he said, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek and that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever all the days of my life and behold on the beauty of the Lord. That's an Old Testament verse saying, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I just want to sit. I just want to sit at his feet. And I want to learn from him. That's the... That's the That's the motive behind this series. D.L. Moody, a great evangelist of the 19th century, said this, sitting at Jesus' feet is the place of privilege and it is the place of blessing. And so I pray as we read God's word, the gospel of Luke, I pray that we would just sit at his feet and we'd learn from him. We learn who Jesus is and what he asks of us. And in our text today, in Luke 6, verses 17 through 38, I've titled today's message, The Jesus Way. 
the Jesus way. And I'm actually real excited about this, how this dovetails with the theme for Disciple Now this week. The theme was upstream based off of Romans 12, verse 2. Uh, Romans 12 says this, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the idea of going against the flow, going against the culture, well, this is exactly what Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 6. Jesus is, is on the mountainside with his disciples, and he is, he is, uh, he is, he is like a coach this time. It's, it's March Madness. Anybody's March Madness bracket already busted? Yes, it's all busted, but I will tell you this. Today at 7 p.m., my team, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, play. Don't bust my bracket. Do you understand me? <laughs> Well, anyways, here Jesus in Luke chapter 6, he's a coach, and he pulls his disciples aside. He says, guys, let me tell you what. If you're going to follow me, this is how you do it. He's going to come along in these verses that we're going to read over the next 15, 20, 25, uh, two and a half hours. Over these next few minutes, we're going to see that Jesus comes along beside the disciples and says, if you're going to follow me, then you need to do it the Jesus way. Now, this isn't a salvation message that Jesus gives. But what he is going to say to the disciples, what he's going to say to us this morning is this. There's a way that once you follow me, there's a way that you are to walk. That you are to look different than the world. And thankfully for Jesus, he, he shares with us exactly what he expects of us. So that when you cross the line of faith saying, Jesus, I give you my life, I give you everything, I believe in your death, burial, and your resurrection, and your soon return, I believe all of that, and now here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to show you how this is how you live. This is how you live and how you are going to be different than the rest of the world. And this is what I call the Jesus way. And I want to point out four things to you this morning. Pick it up in verse number 17 of Luke chapter 6. And if you're with me this morning, say amen. amen. Verse number 17, follow along your copy of God's Word. It's also on the screen behind me, but this is how Luke begins it. He says this, Jesus came down with them, and he stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the people were trying to touch him for power, that's the Greek word dunamis, where we get dynamite from, for power was coming from him, and Jesus was healing them all. The very first thing that I want you to see about the Jesus way is this, and I want you to write this down. The Jesus way is this, we work together. Say that with me. We work together. The Jesus way and what Jesus shows us in these few verses is this, is that the way of a believer, the way of a believer is teamwork. We work together. Now in verses 12 through 16, right before we read, Jesus selects his disciples. If you look in your notes, if you look in your scriptures, Jesus selects his 12 disciples, and he does something rather interesting. He calls them disciples, and then he calls them another name. He calls them apostles. Two different terms, two different meanings. 
So in verses 12 through 16, Jesus identifies the 12 men that he wants near them, near him. He calls them disciples, and then he calls them apostles. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. An apostle is two things, one who has physically seen Jesus and one who is sent by Jesus to continue his mission. And so Jesus, in verses 12 through 16, says, here are these 12 men, you come with me, you're my disciples, and you are my apostles. And so he comes down from the mountain. Now look back at verse number 17. And when he walks down the mountain, who does he bring with him? The disciples, the apostles. Do you see that? He's identified them. He says, you come near me. You come be with me. You come walk with me. And now what Jesus does in verses 17, 18, and 19, he brings his disciples, he brings his apostles, and he brings them with himself. Now, why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal that Jesus brought people with him to do ministry? Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because we believe this, that Jesus could do anything all by himself. Amen? He could do anything he wants to, and he doesn't necessarily have to use us because he is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. He can do whatever he wants without us, but in the goodness of God, in the goodness of who God is, in the goodness of who Jesus is, he said this, I don't want to do it by myself. I want you to come alongside with me. He says, I want you to be my disciple, and I want you to see the power flow through me. I want you to see me pray. I want you to see me heal. I want you to see me cast out demons. And then I want you to hear me teach, because soon I'm going to be gone, and you're going to have to carry out my message. And so I need you. I need you. And so Jesus says, we have to work together. Not too long ago, I had a, a pastor friend of mine tell me this. It was a, he was going through a dark moment, and he, he told me these things. He said, he said, Chris, my wife and I, we never had any problem with our son until he went to college, and he did two things. Number one, he chose the wrong friends. And number two, he isolated himself. He chose the wrong friends. This is the pastor's time. He's weeping. He's saying, he said, my son went off to college. He was great. He grew up in church. He knows it. But he went off to college, and he chose the wrong friends, and he isolated himself, and he chose to do life by himself. Now listen, students, you need to hear this. Doing life by yourself, doing life in isolation is not a biblical principle. There's no thing in Scripture that says you go at it all by yourself. Scripture does not say, you know, I can do this my way. No, 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 no. Scripture does not talk about that. Scripture talks about learning in community. Scripture talks about coming along beside somebody. Scripture talks about coming along uh, with somebody to hold them up when they are weak, to encourage them when they need encouragement. The Scripture never says you are to isolate yourself. And I believe, students, that you need to hear this. Social media and technology does nothing but want to drive you away and isolate you. Social media relationships do not constitute a great face-to-face -face relationship with people. Are y'all with me this morning? Three of you, four of you, five of you? Uh, no, Pastor, I was tweeting what you said, so I really couldn't clap. 
But face-to-face relationships, teamwork, will always supersede this. Always. Always. And Jesus shows us the example. He chose his 12. He chose his apostles. And he said this, you come with me. You come and let me show you, let me show you what ministry is all about and how you can reach people. So the first thing about the Jesus way is it's teamwork. We need each other. We need each other. We're on the same team. We encourage each other. We lift each other up because we're on the same team. Well, look back at our text. Look back at our text in verses 17 through 19. Jesus brings his disciples with him. Now look at verse number 19, and I want you to picture this. Picture what Jesus and the disciples are seeing. Look at verse number 19, okay? Verse number 19 says this, and all the people were trying to touch him, for power was coming from him and healing them all. The Greek word using for, used for trying to touch him is the idea of waves that can continually crash against the the seashore, always crashing, always coming, always coming. So the first thing that Jesus does, disciples, apostles, you come with me, we're working together, but I want you to see the need of the people. I want you to see the need that is out there. And I want you to see the people just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And Scripture tells us why the people keep coming. Why do the people keep coming to see Jesus? They want to be what? They want to be healed. They want to be healed because this man Jesus, the Messiah Jesus, he showed up on the scene. And Scripture, uh, uh, specifically Luke, has told us two different times that power flows from him. So wherever he goes, wherever Jesus, the Messiah goes, power flows from him and everybody is healed. And so all of these people... So you just got to get this picture. It's it's a, a wave after wave after wave after wave of people coming, but they're wanting to receive something from Jesus. You get it? They go back to him again and again and again because they want to receive something from him. They know that Jesus can give them something, and they go to him because they want what he gives And so Jesus has called his disciples, his apostles, you need to follow me, you need to to communicate my message, but I want you to see this. He says, "I I want you to see that people, they only want something from me. Are you with me? They only come to me because they want something from me. So Jesus paints this picture. Yes, he's healing them. Yes, he's freely doing it. Yes, he loves them. But he's pointing out to the disciples, and he points out to you and I today, it's this, that we don't only come to Jesus to receive something from him. Yes, we receive salvation. Yes, we receive grace. Yes, we receive mercy. Yes, that is it. But if we only come into the position with Jesus of, I've only come to receive, we're missing the point of being a follower of Jesus Christ. If we come to worship and we say, you know, I'm only coming here to receive something from him, but never give something to him, we're missing it. 
If we come to our small groups, we come to hearing God's word, and we only say, man, I only want to hear from you, and you never give praise or, or, or words of affirmation back, Lord, then we missed it. And say, many of us, many of us, we only come because we want something from Jesus. And he comes along in this, in this, in this new, uh, his, his, his physical ministry, a three and a half year ministry, and he says this, yes, I know that I can give you something, but, but don't just be a people that wants to receive and never give. You've got to be a people that give. And I want you to write that. Now he's going to tell us. He's going to tell us what it is. He's going to move now. He's showed the disciples, I called you. You see that people want to give, you, want, you see that people want to receive, only receive, but he's going to tell us, but you're to be different. You're different. And this is how I want you to be different. I want you to write this down. The second way for the Jesus way is that we think eternally. We don't only think about the physical. We think eternally. Y'all with me this morning? We think eternally. Look at verse number 20. Look at verse number 20, verses 20 through 23. This is what is called the Beatitudes. We see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. It's a little bit different than Matthew's account. Um, some scholars don't know if this is the same message from Matthew chapter 5 or if it's a different. Either way, Jesus is reiterating to us, this is what I want you to look like. Don't be just a receiver. Here's what I want you to do as a follower of Jesus. Number, one, or number two, it's you think eternally. Verse 20, and turning his gaze toward his disciples... He began to say, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. He's not just referencing socioeconomic. He's talking about spiritual as well. Verse 21, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Verse 23, be glad in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way their fathers used to treat their prophets. So Jesus says to the disciples, you can see them looking at the throng of people who just want to receive and receive and receive, and they're wanting physical healing. They want healing here on this side of eternity, and Jesus says, as a follower of me, you think eternally. You don't think only of the physical, because there's much more to life than just the physical. Scripture teaches us that we may have 60, 70, 80 years, 90 years at best, and then we enter into what we were created for, which is we were created for eternity. And the Bible teaches us that you and I will live forever somewhere. And the Bible gives two options. It's either with God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, in heaven, or it is eternal separation from him in a place called hell. And Jesus says, as followers of Jesus, as followers of me, we don't think just of the physical. Yes, we meet physical needs. Yes, we take care of physical needs, but we also think eternally. We think about heaven. We dwell upon heaven. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, you could be too heavily minded to be any earthly good? Anybody ever heard that phrase? Yeah, you can be too heavenly minded that you're too, uh, that you can't, aren't any earthly good. Well, there is a Greek word for that thought. Let me spell it for you, okay? Write this down. This, this is life-changing. The Greek word is this. B-O-L-O-G-N-A. <laughs> 
translated into English, that's balagna. That's what it is in English. It's baloney. That thought that, that you're too heavenly minded that you can't be any earthly good, that's baloney. That's false. That's a false belief. That's a false belief. Listen, you can never be too heavenly minded. You can never think too much about heaven. You can never think too much about eternity. You can never think too much about spiritual issues. You can never think about on the goodness and the greatness and the majesty of what awaits us. You can never think too much about that. Jonathan Edwards, one of the early leaders of the Great Awakening in the 1700s said this, I am persuaded that we will never be of much use in this life until we have developed a healthy obsession with the next. Wow. Jonathan Edwards, probably the greatest um, theologian um, in, in United States of America's history, a smart man, a passionate man, he said this, you and I will never be of great use in this world until we think more about the next. Melissa, our world is so desperately of need of people who have put their gaze upon Jesus and that their face radiates the glory of who he is because they've constantly thought about him. They need to see that glory. And they want to see that something is different. And the world is begging for men and for women to think more about eternity than they are the physical Listen, the world does not want only a physical solution. They'll tell you they want a physical solution, but a physical solution will never satisfy that deep hole in their spirit. Amen? And Jesus said, you're going to follow me? The Jesus way? You think eternally. You think about the decisions you make. How is that not only going to affect you here, but how is that going to affect eternity? Jesus says, the way of me, the Jesus way is we work together and then we think eternally. And then here's number three, write this down. We love our enemies. We love our enemies. I'm just going to tell you right now, this part's going to get fun. This is the easy part of Jesus' message, right? That's pretty difficult. But here's what we're going to do. I want you to read this with me. Follow along. If you have a pen or pencil or whatever, I want you to underline certain words and phrases that I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to explain to you why. Because this is, this is Jesus. He's coming along and said, this is how I want you to live. This is for anybody who's a follower of Jesus. This isn't you do this, you get saved. No. It's you're a believer, you do this. Are you with me? This is how you live. Jesus said, pick up in verse number 27. He says this. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Underline the word love. It's the Greek word agape. Selfless, sacrificial love. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Underline the words do good. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Underline the word bless. That Greek word for bless is the English word eulogy, which actually means to speak good words. The Jesus way is to speak good words about those who curse you. 
Pray for those who mistreat you. Underline the word pray. Verse 29. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Underline the word offer. Whoever takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Verse 30. Give to everyone who asks of you. Underline the word give. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Underline, do not demand it back. Verse 31. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Underline the word treat others. Verse 32. Now listen to what Jesus says. I want you to listen to this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Do you feel the heaviness of that? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to, sin, lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. Look at verse 35. But love your enemies. Underline the word love. And do good. Underline do good. And lend. Underline the word lend. Expecting nothing in return because your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Underline the word merciful. Well, now let me explain to you why I asked you to underline those words. All right, we are going to do um, some Greek here for just a moment. Can you hang with me? I want you to hang with me because this is actually pretty important and why I believe you need to study the original languages so that you do not misunderstand and misinterpret what Jesus or what the writers of Scripture are saying. And uh, Elton, I think I have this phrase on on my notes, so if you'll go to the next one, I think. Yes. All of those words that I had you underlined are all present, active, imperative, and I just misspelled imperative. Praise God. Oh, well. Present, active, imperative, second person. Pastor, what in the world does that mean? Does that really mean anything? Who cares what that is? Well, let me explain this to you. Because this is actually a very important verb and its usage that we need to understand. Okay? Let me explain this to you. Get the picture. Jesus is with the disciples, and he's speaking to them, telling them, this is how you live. Picture a coach in front of his team. You got it? They all have the same jersey that says, Jesus, and they're listening to their coach. And Jesus has just told them multiple things. Love your enemies, do good, bless those, pray for those, treat others. And every single one of those verbs is in the present active imperative second person. What does that mean? Well, let's break this down for you real quick. The word or the thought present is it is in the present tense. These verbs that I mentioned to you are the present tense. Tense means this. It's either past, present, or future. Present. That means when? Now. And it means ongoing. So the verbs that he just shared, it is present, it's ongoing. So every moment is a now moment. Love your enemies. When? Now. 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 It's always in the moment. 
That's what present means. That's the present tense. The, the term active, it is the active voice. Now, in verbs, you have this. You have an active voice or a passive voice, and it means who is doing the, who's doing the action. That's what it's asking there. If it is active, it means the subject is doing the action. Okay? The subject is doing the action. Now, remember, Jesus is speaking. But I'm going to get to that in just a minute because that has to do with the second person. So present, now, active, the subject is doing the action. Imperative, that's the mood. Imperative is a command, which means this is, this is something you have to obey. So you got to pick this. Jesus is about to send the team out. He's given them a present, active, present, active, imperative verb, which means obedience now. And that second person That second person literally means this. It is an emphatic you. Do you get it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus in front of his people. It's Jesus in front of those who are gonna follow him. It's Jesus in front of his apostles and disciples and saying, here's the Jesus way. And he says, you love your enemies. So the subject that is doing the verb is you. You love your enemies. You do good to those who hurt you. You bless those who curse you. You pray for those who uh, mistreat you. You treat others the way that you want to be treated. You give to those who ask. And you, listen, This is a tough one, and you don't demand it back. This is the Jesus way. This is the Jesus way. Notice that one time does Jesus say, well, dependent upon the circumstances. Does he do that? Notice he doesn't say depending upon the situation. Mm Mm-mm. He says, listen, students, listen, this is important. If you want to follow me, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. I expect that from you. I expect that from you. You follow me, this is how the world is going to know who you are. You do this. Well, here's the last thing that will be done. The, third, the fourth thing for the Jesus way is this. We're to live with compassion. One, we work together. We work together, we think eternally, we love our enemies, and finally we love with, we live with compassion. Look at verse 37 through 38. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Again, present, active, imperative, second person. That word judge in Greek is the Greek word chrono, which is where we get critical or critical spirit. Hello. Jesus says, don't have a critical spirit. It says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. And he says, do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. But then he says this, pardon, and you will be pardoned. That Greek word for pardon is the word apologeo, which is where we get our English word apology. And it means to release. Would you listen? Jesus says, you're going to follow me? then you have to practice the art of forgiveness and not hold anything against people. 
How many of you think this is pretty hard? It's tough. It's not easy. But this is the Jesus way. In verse 38, and then we're going to be done. And then he says this, give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And so Jesus concludes by saying, don't judge, don't condemn, forgive, and then give. In context, when he says give, he means give forgiveness. Be easy to forgive. Let me give you a perfect example. You've probably seen on the news recently regarding a a female swimmer in the NCAA. You're probably familiar with that. She was a he, and now they became a they. I don't know. But you've heard this. And there have been some very critical comments made about that person. Jesus is showing us that people are not the enemy. People are not the enemy. It's the evil one. And rather than attacking people and judging and condemning, Jesus says forgive. Does that mean we agree? No, but listen folks, next to my name or next to your name are not the words, the judge. Jesus Christ is the one who judges. We walk the Jesus way and we point people to him. God will take care of the rest, amen? Let me pray, Father we thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for a great weekend with our students. I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the worship as well. Father, I thank you just for what you're doing in the lives of people here. And God, I pray that for those who have heard your word this morning, I pray that we would live the Jesus way, that we would not be afraid to follow hard after you and to let you take care of everything, Father. Father, we pray that you would move among us and that you would sing over us how much you love us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.